welcome to the Charlotte is Creative podcast. Today's show features hosts Tim Miner and Matt Olin, speaking with Violetta Mosier, Executive Director of Latin Americans Working for Achievement, immediately following the December 1st Creative Morning Charlotte event at Warehouse 242, where Violetta spoke about the global theme of context. Originally from Lima, Peru, Violetta Mosier worked in banking operations until 2010 when she joined the nonprofit sector. Currently, she is the executive director of Latin Americans Working for Achievement, an organization that supports the educational advancements of Latinos in the Charlotte region. In this podcast, recorded immediately following Violetta's talk, she speaks with Tim Miner and Matt Olin about the first time she felt like an American, who her inspirations are, how dance helps expression, and finishes by sharing a story about the potential effects of the DACA repeal. Remember to RSVP to the next Creative Morning Charlotte event Friday, January 5th at Warehouse 242 when Hall of Fame drummer Liberty DeVito will speak on the global theme of anxiety. Register for this free event by visiting charlotteiscreative.com at 9 a.m. Monday, January 1st. Don't forget to use the hashtag CharlotteIsCreative and tweet us at CM underscore CLT whenever you see Charlotteans showing their creativity. Oh, I guess the guy on the I guess the guy on the left starts it. Hi, I'm, I'm Tim Miner, and I'm Matt Olin. Or maybe I'm Matt Olin because I'm sitting on the left side of the couch, which you never switched, happens. You switched our positions on me, <laughs> and, and I I'm welcome you to the Charlotte is Creative podcast. It is our honor and privilege to be continuing the discussion from this morning's Creative Mornings meeting on the global topic of context with Violetta Mosier, our speaker for today. It was a, a moving morning, and before you listen to this podcast. If you weren't in the audience, I encourage you to watch the video. Violetta shared her her journey from Lima, Peru to Charlotte, North Carolina, to talk about the work that she's doing in the Latino community here. And it was a it was very it was it was an emotional morning, I would say, for everybody who listened to what you had to say. Yeah, the our global theme of context, which we're exploring, obviously, is a difficult theme. It's you know, some people even have trouble getting their their brain around. You know, what is the real meaning of context? Because it's one of those. Um, just more challenging words, but you showed how uh, relevant that word is to not just your journey, but the lives of so many people in our country. Um, so kudos to you for like taking the challenge on and just, you know, killing it. It was, it was a fantastic speech. So thank you. I think what pulling back the, uh, the curtain a little bit, we get the themes for uh, that all the creative mornings chapters, are going to share about a year in advance. And some words you see and you're immediately drawn to them and you know exactly what you want to do and the exact kind of speaker you want to have. And, you know, I, I can remember a year ago getting that list and seeing context and thinking, boy, that, that sounds dry. It's a tricky one. Yeah. And just, you know, we, we try hard at creative mornings not to skew too political one way or the other, but re- regardless of what side of the aisle or in the middle of the aisle or what have you that you are, I think everybody can agree that this is a year where notions of being undocumented or being a migrant or being, you know, um, an illegal alien or whatever term you want, you know, people are using 
it dehumanizes the topic. It makes, we're not, it makes us forget that we're talking about people, people with dreams, just like we have, just like anyone has. And you, today's speech presented itself at the right time. After this year, I think it was necessary to help bring the room back to understanding that regardless of where you were born or what color your skin is or what your native tongue is, everybody dreams. Everybody dreams about a better future. I mean, I was listening to an awesome talk on um, NPR the other day, and they were saying, you know, and someone who immigrates or to the United States, they don't dream of being a janitor. You know, that doesn't need to be the limitation of what they do. They dream big, just like everyone else. And we need to recognize that, that those dreams and those desires and those talents and that creativity unites all of us. And I think you did an amazing job reminding us of that today. Thank you. Thank you. So Violetta, the way we usually kick off these podcasts is with the lightning round. Use some podcasts <laughs> end with a lightning round. We begin with a lightning round because, you know, we just had this incredible experience with you. Uh, the, the Creative Mornings event ended 20 minutes ago. And so we want to like juice our energy back up, get those synapses firing up there, and then we'll dive into a it's few like more. doing mental jumping jacks. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, I see exactly. it, I see it. Um, so, so just the first thing that pops into your head. Yes, we, quick. then we're going to dive in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, okay. I can tell. Stone face. She's ready. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All right, so here we go. What is your hometown? Lima. Lima, Peru. What is your first memory of living in America? Oh my God, the coins, the quarters, the nickels, <laughs> the dimes. I have no idea when they asked me for a dime. I'm struggling to find out what a dime. So you should have seen my my uh, purse, my pocketbook, heavy every single day because I on, only handed a dollar. So I collected a lot of coins for a long, long time. That is hilarious. <laughs> I, I think not, under, not understanding how coins work uh, puts you in the same category as anyone who's under the age of 20 in the United States right now. Like my <laughs> exactly. Kids, my children have no understanding of how to use change or coins. Absolutely. All right. Next question, Violetta. Ooh. Are the Beatles the greatest rock band in history? Absolutely. Yes. Hey, yes. yes. See, see, I have the whole collection at home. My husband gave me that for one Christmas. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Beatle? Do you gravitate course, towards one Beatle? Of course. For me, it's Paul. Paul. Oh, I can, you know what? <laughs> You you look like someone who would, you look like Paul would be your guy. Have you have you seen Paul in concert? No, I because haven't. that's on my wish list, and I um, I haven't yet. But it's like my and my wife knows this too. Like if he comes within fifty a hundred miles of Charlotte, like we've got to just buy a ticket and go. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've seen we'll go together. Uh, we're, we're, Rolling we're Stones trip. now. Oh, you see Stones. Mick yeah. Jagger doing the dance. So. Oh my! <laughs> so at least that dream came true. For yeah, me. my parents told me that you were highly critical of my dancing today. <laughs> 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 so I, well, I didn't, Tim, I didn't bring the hey, inner Jagger Tim, today. You don't have the moves like Jagger. I do no. not have moves like Jagger or like Adam Levine for that matter. Um, so are you a Paul guy real quickly? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm more, more of a George guy. You're, to be honest. See, I'm 100% diehard George. Yeah. Oh, good. 100%. Good. But so I, I don't like the others. I just think George was a strong, silent one who held it all together. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last week was Thanksgiving. Do you, you celebrate Thanksgiving, I imagine. Yes. Uh, I do, since I came to this country, my country now. All right. So what is your favorite, what is the Moser family tradition on Thanksgiving that you like the most? Believe or that it you or look not, forward to? it may be a tradition and the only one who eats it is me. Sweet potatoes. Oh. Baked sweet potatoes. Yes. I love it. Mm. Yeah. So it's sweet potatoes and it's turkey and the traditional uh, Moser 
American uh, recipes. Do you put do you put the uh, do, you, do you put the, the what is it the marshmallow on top of the sweet potatoes or am I making that up? Oh, you are making that I'm up. Totally you're making not, you're not making that up. Some people do it. I find it heretical myself. Okay. But, <laughs> um, I see. I could give. I I could if the turkey doesn't show up, that's okay. But if my mother doesn't make her sweet potato casserole. Yeah. There is no Thanksgiving. Well, I used to eat sweet potatoes since I was a kid mm. and, you know, cut in slices and deep fried. Mm. So that brings me home. Well, speaking of which, where's the best place in Charlotte to get Peruvian food? You know, it used to be this one place that I will not mention, but Machu Picchu in Pineville. Okay. Right? Off Machu Picchu of, uh, in Pineville. 51. Yeah. Is Got there a it. particular dish we should we should get if we're not, if we're learning Peruvian food? If you're learning Peruvian food, you can't. Know about Peruvian food without ceviche. Ceviche. Uh, ceviche. Yes. You've tried it in some restaurants, but you haven't tried it the Peruvian style until you go to one of those restaurants. And so uh, Machu Picchu does it right. Is that what Absolutely. you're saying? Okay. So we will we will put that on the hit list for sure. I like that. Yeah. That's that works. Um, all right. What is your favorite Christmas movie? My favorite Christmas movie. You know, I haven't thought about that. I don't know that I have one favorite one. That's See? okay. What's Finally, one? we stumped we stumped her. No, one. she's got. Well, what, what's one that you like or that your family likes to watch together? You or know, maybe you don't. Uh, we. It's not our tradition. Yeah. Uh, our our family is more into uh, church and singing some Christmas carols at night and that sort of thing. But do you ever uh, watch like any that. of these sort of old classics like It's a Wonderful Life? I do. Yeah. I do. I, th- I would have to say that. I'm Juju's paddles. Juju, kids, my lips bleeding, Bert. My lips bleeding. Hey, I'm terrible about remembering titles, but yes, yes. The Christmas Story is one probably favorite. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. What's What's yeah. your favorite? Um... Oh gosh, probably Die Hard. I would think maybe. No, I'm just kidding. That's I think we, we said we said Die Hard. I, mine. I'm just gonna go ahead and hang it out there. I'm a 100% sap. Love actually oh, is my wow. go-to yeah. Christmas movie. As much as I love Die Hard, that's a bold, bold like, choice I'm, there. Tim. I like to grab a Kleenex and I have my too moment old with to love understand actually. that. But anyhow. I'm still hanging in with planes, trains, and automobiles for Thanksgiving. Like good. that for That's me <laughs> is the. If you're going to just talk about the holidays in general, it's planes, trains, and automobiles. So, yeah. um, Violetta, give us a memory of a time when you were dancing and you didn't care who was watching. Wow. That am I supposed to uh, reveal things here? Yeah, or you reveal you want. as much or as little as you feel comfortable with. Do you know that one year in New York City on Christmas Eve, I was learning how to drink. Suddenly, <laughs> all right. good stories right. start that Step way. Step one: Someone brought me some drink, and there I was on top of the table, the Waldorf Astoria dancing. Yes, Latin music. Yes, were you were you were in Astoria in in Astoria? Is Wal- Waldorf. Oh, the in the Waldorf Astoria. Yeah. Oh, she went high class. We went high class, and I still stood on the table and danced. Look, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do it at the Waldorf, exactly. If you were like studying drinking 101, go all the way to the Waldorf Astoria. (laughs) Somehow, and I had this. I'll never forget. I had this uh, yellow dress with some shiny materials around my neck, and there I was dancing, and my hair was getting caught in this little thing. But I was showing my moves. Oh, that's, that that's was awesome! The best memory that's a perfect ex- ex- uh, answer <laughs> to the question. So, and and I'm sure your your colleagues there were like, I think she's got the drinking thing down. I think yeah. she's a she's a quick learner. <laughs> you, she's you a quick it. learner. You won drinking. Um, what? I'm asking you to forecast now, but what's one New Year's resolution you think you're going to make for 2018? This year, I know one. What is it? 
should I reveal it? Because I don't it, know if I should go reveal. On, where, go on, I, where, on this record. is a safe space. This is a safe space. Okay, yeah. I will reveal. I am going to get an apartment Ooh. in Denver, Colorado, because I'm having grandchildren and they'll be twins. Oh, congratulations. That's my wish. That's my wish. That's fa- Did you know that Matt's a twin? No. I am. I am. Now, are your grandkids going to be... Um, Identical or fraternal? No, it's a fraternal. My daughter doesn't want to know boy girl yet, so it's going to be fun. Got it. Got it. Well, congratulations. So that's going to be sort of your little. That's going to be what? What what will your? Do you know what your grandkids will call you? Is there a particular name that's? We're we're talking about that. I uh, I think they're going to call me Bibi. Maybe. Mama or Mama yeah. or Grandmama. So it could be, could, could be a slew of choices this here. Could it could be, be like one. BB's pad. You could get a, like a get a you know like a sign made for your apartment out there, like uh, Mama's <laughs> uh, Mama's uh, pad or something like that. You, know? you like pad? I'm, put, pad. I'm sticking with pad, Ma- but it could be anything. It could just be uh, you know escape. It, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested to follow up and see if you were able to bring that plan to fruition because I remember my mom and my mother in law spent time. Figuring it out, negotiating it, who was going to be called what, and the kids named them both. <laughs> so they had an idea, and then when my daughter started talking, she named them, yeah. and that's what stuck. Like I, I can't even remember what my mom wanted to be, but Grace called her Mimi, and that was it. Wow, it's been Mimi ever since. And I think that's what's going to happen, and I don't care. Yeah, but I, I mean, It'll they used like to call music. me Vivi actually when I was a little kid. So anyhow, I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, now we're going to get into some some more serious questions uh, about your talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, although they don't have to be serious per no, se. They're just not they as rapid fire. Yes, okay. exactly. Long form, serious. longer form. Yes, okay. serious. Let's all get serious, everybody. Let's get serious. Put your serious face on. All right, Violetta, tell us about a time when you felt, I am American. You know, is there a moment you can think of as like you felt like I, I am American? And, and, and what did that mean to you? Mm, I am an American. Hmm. Right. So I have to tell you this. Now, when I grew up, uh, we were all Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so American, that terminology is not only applicable to those who live in the U.S., although somehow people tend of to course. think that Americans oh, yes. are. So I used to uh, say when I first arrived that I was South American and people would, would take a double look and they would say, oh, so you are Hispanic? I think I mentioned that before. Yeah. But so to answer your question, the first time I felt to be a U.S. American Mm. was when I became a a citizen through my process of citizenship. Got it. And I remember trying to to recite um, the uh, pledge. Yeah, Pledge of Allegiance. Of Allegiance. And uh, I felt for the first time that this is my country. Mm. And it was very emotional. It was in Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, New Haven. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. What are what are your creative passions? What inspires you? What do you like to do to express just how you feel about the world? You know, it's it it varies. Uh I think I for me the inspiration is, is little kids, it's children. Um because it re- reminds me of all these things that I had inside of me growing up and my dreams, but I, I, I don't know that I share that, although some people tell me, my classmates, that I used to share my, my thoughts and my ideas all the time, but I thought I had him inside. So when I see a little kid, for me, it is inspiring to see how one word, one phrase, or one exciting adventure with them can change their whole 
uh, being. It could give them hope. It could give them happiness. It could give them uh, opportunities that probably most of us as parents, now as a parent, look for in a child. So it mm-hmm. is inspiring for me to be around kids. Yeah, I I love the fact that you just sort of irised in on children in that moment. I was having a conversation with Charles Thomas the other day, and we were talking about Charles Thomas, who is the program director for the Knight Foundation here in Charlotte. We were talking about that very thing, this idea of, yeah, we need to nurture the creativity of all Charlatans, but man, we got to double down on nurturing the creativity of mm-hmm. of of our of our children, uh, and not just our biological children, but the children of our of our city and our state and our our country um, because they have such easy um, natural access to their creativity as kids. And somehow that gets kind of wrung out of us as we grow older. Um, But man, if we can keep that sort of creative continuum going, then they could perhaps just sort of ease and naturally into becoming creative adults. And how cool would that be where we don't have to like start convincing people as adults. No, you're creative. You're creative. They can just sort of grow up knowing that they're creative. Mm -hmm. So I just love this focus on kids and their, their innate creativity. Yeah. Not to Shanghai the the conversation, but I, I think one thing that you both said that kind of struck me was this, this notion of who our children are. Right. I think, um, I recall growing up, I felt like I had, seven pairs of parents, you know, it was a neighborhood that I grew up in a community and I felt like many adults had a, were making an investment or at least were paying attention. I don't think I, as a child, I thought they're making an investment in me, but I knew they were paying attention to me and that I had access to them. And I feel like lately, or what's evolved is we've, parents have clutched their children so close to themselves now and they've pushed other people away. It's almost like, these are my kids. I got this everybody back off. And that's limiting to a child. Having exposure to that many adults that say, I show, I care about you, or Mm -hmm. I'm interested in you, shapes people. And I think it's even more so between communities in Charlotte. You know, these, every, every child, especially these, these dreamers, you know, these kids that, that you work with, if all of us pitch in, you know, and show them that, that their dreams matter, Mm-hmm. And that they matter to us, and and we're part of shaping them. What a better world it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be, rather than having this very isolated notion that my kids are mine, mm-hmm. you deal with your kids. Yeah. That's someone else's problem. And it's also the, the the age. I think also the age of technology has brought in more resources that are already at our fingertips. And I think that talking about creativity, when you don't have those around you, mm. your mind and your imagination tends to wander. A little bit more and that you are looking and imagining things so the creativity begins right there mm. so the arts and, and and charles thomas with his photography and other other activities uh, this woman i was just talking to me about the charlotte symphony music and all that uh, i think it's important to give birth to that creativity that we're trying to pull here through creative mornings beautiful well on a related question so um why dance, right? Like, what is it about dance and expressing yourself through dance that brings people together? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from my own experience, I love dancing. But my upbringing formed me to be more serious and composed. And so even though I'm dying to go out there and dance, it takes the environment around you to promote that. And I think the expression of dance, as I just described earlier about my... Uh, my life. That's okay. We can we can do that. I'm so sorry. 
We can we can we can go hit that. This is this is a phone a, a cell phone going off. This is why we love the, the sort of natural podcast <laughs> environment. This is <laughs> these things happen. I think Tim's went off last month. This is so. a highly organic experience. Yes. <laughs> so anyhow, dance. It is it it's it brings your spirit into an expression of different forms with your body, with mm. your mind, and provides provides freedom. For me, it has been an experience that I dance all the time at people hardly ever know. But but as I get older, I express that dance through every occasion or every time I get a chance to do it. Got it. So yeah, t- t- taking that, tell us a little bit about how the Dancing for Diversity program started and, and what came, what's come of it. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing for Diversity. It, it very interested. Again, uh, as, as I heard the stories of families that have arrived here differently than what you heard my story was. I came by plane and my situation was different, but not so different when I identify this family's and children. Uh, and my conversations were around, oh, where are you from? And I would tell them about where I'm from and these beautiful mountains and these beautiful people and my heritage. And I sometimes could even recite the name of the ancestors and native people of, of uh of uh, Peru, the Incas. And I noticed that the conversation with some family stopped right there. As proud as I was telling about my story, the other families did not share theirs. And uh, little by little, I learned that many do come from very rural areas and very modest uh, situations, places where sometimes school is not available, and maybe only to third grade, if, if so. So... Parents are not passing on this heritage, this cultural values to their children, and therefore this identity and the rooting of where they are from or where their parents are from. Why do they look of this color and why is my hair like this or why do we, do we eat these foods? And it's so different than my kids, uh, my peers when I go to school. So we realized, I realized that this, what I was feeling and the pride that I had of where I come from was totally different than for the kids that we were uh, trying to help with tutoring and mentoring and parenting. So the idea for Dancing for Diversity came from that experience. We needed to find a way that was fun through dance and expression to instill some of that culture. So we chose initially the very traditional dances of Mexico primarily and Central American countries because most of our kids are from that region and began to invite their, their non-Latino peers to share and, and, and learn what this was all about. Through that process, we were able to make them feel uh, good about where they come from and have fun at the same time. So that's mm. where Dancing for Diversity came about. We Not only that. that we wanted to exchange cultural knowledge, but also the aspect of bullying mm. and debanking stereotypes was important. So <clears throat> I, that's just uh, beautiful. I love to hear sort of the origin story of, of that amazing program. Um, what can the creative community do to support the dreamers living in Charlotte? For one thing, just give one hour a week mm. to go and sometimes just even read a phrase or a book to a, to a young kid. 
But most importantly, your presence there will tell that child that someone cares. Mm. And I think it's not that the parents do not care. It's just that parents have so many other survival issues to attend to that sometimes they forget to hug their children. Mm. I think it's important to note, too, you and I talked about this when we, when we were preparing your talk, that um, that our doesn't have to be mind-blowing for the child. You don't have to be perfect, you know, as the mentor. Sometimes showing up is the most important thing and showing that an adult, an adult who may not speak the same language as you, cares. I think people sometimes feel like they're not worthy or they don't have enough. They're not bringing enough to the table. You know, I'm not ready to, I can't teach someone how to speak English. And they use that as a way to say, "Eh, I'm not the person to do this. I'm not qualified Mm -hmm. to do this. And I think when we spoke, you, you talked a lot about, you know, you don't have to be perfect. Give you yourself permission to just show up and demonstrate to the kid that you care. Yeah. Yes, you're right about that. I mean, that happens with me, with my spouse, with with Bob at home. He says exactly what you just said, you know, but I'm not qualified. How am I going to teach? I said, all you have to do is show up. Mm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, um, I, one thing, and uh, we're nearing the end of the conversation, but I know that for time we had to cut short some of the some of the DACA-related stories that you had prepared for today. And you gave us the first part of the story of a young woman that you're calling, who you've called Rose. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where she is today, but then how the current climate has affected her a little bit? And if you would also tell the story about the the, um, representative of the church who's reached out to you to help his community. Absolutely. Rose, of course, I made up that name. Uh, But Rose is this now young woman who is on her way to becoming a physician's assistant, as I mentioned. Um, But her path to coming to this country from Mexico, uh, how their parents crossed the border, how they were uh, assaulted when they crossed the border, how they lost their belongings, how she arriving to Charlotte and going to school, uh, as small as she is and her frame, so little, always seemed to have this very quiet voice, almost like she didn't want anybody to know that she was there. And um, unlike her, many other, many other kids, but Rose in, in particular transformed herself when DACA, the executive order, was uh, signed into, into effect it was almost a miracle to see the transformation of the young kid. Her voice was much louder. Her presence was much more visible. Her desire for continuing her studies grew. She even grew in height. Hmm. Right now, after all those experiences, uh, Rose is working really hard in this little window of time that perhaps will be closing uh, trying to get her physician's assistant uh, degree completed. I think for her it's a journey, not only of healing, but also understanding and giving that context that we talk about to her life to help others. Mm-hmm. And that's her goal. So when I see her now, she's still a small frame woman, but is so much bigger mm. than when she expresses her and tells her story. Now she's able to tell her story, whereas before she didn't. She hid most of the time. And the future for her, she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you she's taking this opportunity. 
and using it to the best of her ability and that she will be okay no matter where she goes, if she stays here. I hope she does. We, we do too. Yeah, so I, I think we. one of the things that struck me the most when we talked was you talking about how many of these children that were born in the United States, and so they're, they're teenagers, they make the decisions oftentimes for their family and for the future of their siblings, mm-hmm. right? And, and the, that huge responsibility that's yeah. on them and that uncertain future yeah. that kind of meets them now. Yes. And that, I, I don't know that that's, I don't, I don't feel like there's enough understanding yeah. of that. And, it, and the thought of they're from the United States, they were born in the United States. So they're yeah. being, they're facing the possibility of returning to a country that is supposedly their culture, but they've never been there. Yeah. before they understand that uh, as, as much as, as as the opportunities that are offered and they take their families look at this young lives teenagers they rely on them because they are the ones who know english they are the ones who understand the system they are the ones who have to do all the paperwork for instance to 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 enroll someone in in school because they understand and they can read english they carry on the weight of the family. Sometimes mm. they, a lot of times, they go to school and they also work and they contribute to home. So some parents sometimes hold their students from going to college because that income that they make because of their English ability is important to that household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and sometimes to the families that are in another country. If um, they're sending exactly. money home to help them yeah. survive. Yeah. So, so... As young lives as they are, it's amazing how much weight they carry on, yet they still continue their lives to try to get that education so that they can be better. Violetta, thank you so much for um, being such an amazing part of this morning. Um, The Creative Mornings community just embraced you. I hope you felt it up there. They embraced you and your message and your story. And um, we're so glad that you are a part of our community, that you're a part of the Charlotte family, um, and certainly a part of the Creative Mornings family now. Um, In closing, do you have any advice for Charlotte that you just want to give on anything, really? And we usually end with this uh, particular question with our speakers, but what advice do you have for Charlotte? What advice? I think we need to continue creating diversity, not isolating people or, 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 or just as I said, a hello or a hola, uh, rather than becoming isolated pockets of neighborhoods, I think people need to come together. So my advice is go out, go to those places where people may not look like, like, like you and extend a hand, smile at somebody. Um, I think by bringing that type of engagement, social engage, engagement, we will probably be a stronger city and more unified. That is a perfect note to end on, I think. I, I agree 100%. And I think that fits so snugly with the mission and the manifesto of, of Creative Mornings. And we look forward to having you around and in our family for many years to come. It's been my honor. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so you. much. And that uh, would, in, would conclude this edition of the Charlotte's Creative Podcast. So uh, <laughs> that it's also the end of our second year as a chapter. We celebrated two years Yay. at uh, the event today. And it was kind of... Kind of epic and super fun, I think, but uh, what a great way to end it. It was so, having you as our speaker today was was so important to reminding, I, I, I can't speak for Matt, but for reminding me. Go ahead. Well, I'll speak for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why 
why we wanted to, what we wanted to do with creative mornings and why we've poured our energy into it was to have conversations and to make, make Charlotte a little smaller and to try to have as, as open and diverse a discussion as we can. And you remind us not only of why we did it, but to keep pushing and making sure that this, this room embraces more and more aspects of our community, more and more people of Charlotte. Absolutely. And hopefully make the world a little smaller too. 450 people were here today and we recorded a video greeting to your right native, native, uh, hometown of, of Lima. So, uh, hopefully we'll, they'll send us a video back and we'll be able to play that in a month sí, or two. Muchas so. gracias. Uh, de nada. <laughs> sí, nada. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, bueno. uh, de nada. <laughs> Clearly that's all I know. No, I, um, don't you know, I'm El Corajisco de Pascua. Sí, el corregito de Pascua. ¿Y dónde está mi canasta de Pascua? Allí está. We're in the wrong season. Feliz Navidad. Now, yes. He likes to talk about the Easter Bunny. El conejito. <laughs> yes. Conejito will come in April. Yes. Right now is Feliz, Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. All right, everyone. Well, we'll see you next year. Sounds good. Year three. Thanks again to Violetta Moser, Executive Director of Latin Americans Working for Achievement, for speaking with us. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the Charlotte is Creative podcast. Visit Latin Americans Working for Achievement online at lawanc.org. Let us know what you think by tweeting us at cm underscore clt and using the hashtag Charlotte is Creative. Remember to mark your calendars for Friday, January 5th at 8.30 a.m. at Warehouse 242, 2307 Wilkinson Boulevard, where Hall of Fame drummer Liberty DeVito will speak on the global theme of anxiety. For more from Charlotte is Creative, check out charlotteiscreative.com.